Hello and welcome to Buildings of Tomorrow. My name is John Lester and in today's episode we are talking about UL and NFPA standards in fire detection. Uh, I'm joined today by Dan Finnegan. He is the Industry Affairs Head for Siemens Smart Infrastructure. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. John, it really is my pleasure to be here to talk about a topic that is important to all of us. Uh, there, I, there's nothing more important than safety, and there aren't many uh, topics within safety that are more important than fire and smoke detection, so I'm excited to have you here. Uh, first question, industry affairs, sounds fun, sounds exciting. Could you give me a bit of an insight in what you do? Thanks, John. I love talking about what I do because, yes, it <laughs> is fun and exciting. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, John, that the fire safety industry, the fire safety business is driven by codes and standards. So there's a couple of important points here. You know, Siemens invests people to make sure that we're involved in the UL standards, the NFPA standards, the building and the fire codes, primarily in North America. And those UL and NFPA standards do cross across the globe in many areas. But we're involved to make sure that things are going in a positive, correct direction. You know, Siemens has a very rich history of being an innovator in early warning detection and moving forward with technology. All this is a perfect match. So we sit and we help guide the direction of where codes and standards are going because they are the foundation for safety in not only our homes that we sleep and live in, but the new buildings that are going up around us. All right, beautiful. It, it couldn't be more important, which I like to hear. And, and maybe a very quick disclaimer, as you mentioned, we're talking about UL and NFPA standards. Uh, there are different standards across the globe, depending on which country or which region you're in. Uh, obviously, the conversation we have today is really specific to those those areas or those countries where the UL and the NFPA standards apply. Uh, amazing. Uh, you, you mentioned their history, and I'd, I'd like to touch on that first, because obviously we have standards today. We have a, a current uh, you know, we have a current expectation from an industry perspective. How do we get to where we are today? What's the history look like for these for these codes and standards? You know, I'll start out, John, with the, the focus on smoke detection, and mm -hmm. that is the fact that smoke detection has been saving lives now since about the 1960s. And it's become a requirement in codes in all areas that we sleep. That's a simple way of putting it. They're required in every bedroom in our homes. They're required in commercial buildings and areas that we sleep, dormitories, hotels, and the like. And um, so there, that is the foundation of early warning so that we can get awoken, so we can get out before the fire uh, becomes too great to prevent us from escaping. And it also, smoke detection plays a very important role in valuable properties where that extra notification is important, such as in data centers, which are a growing uh, market today with, you know, we say the cloud, but we really know the cloud is a 2 million square foot underground data center that no one knows where it's at, but that's a, a yeah. very valuable property. And those are heavily protected by early warning uh, smoke detection so that a fire is detected in the very, very early stages. And, uh, and yes, and today we can chat about the, the UL standards and how NFPA interacts with that. And, uh, you know, as we bring those things forward, because back in 1960 or even going back into the 1950s, you know, in the United States, I can quote, you know, there was close to over 15,000 people a year dying in fires. Mm -hmm. And through the advancement of smoke detection in our codes, you know, in other aspects, we've reduced that number now to about 3,000 people a year. 
But mm-hmm. in that, the majority of that 3,000 are still dying in our single family homes, which is where we sleep. And that really, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, really kind of, uh, you know, highlights that whole aspect of things. So, you know, uh, that's kind of where we're at at this point in time. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Because that's a really important thing. Firstly, to recognize it is such a, a recent thing. You know, okay, the 1960s might feel a long time ago when we talk about music and, and fashion, but it's not really that long when we start talking about buildings uh, and, you know, the, the, the infrastructure around us. So that, that that's it's a good thing for us to remember. We talk about fashion or I talked about fashion. I talked about music. I can imagine our buildings have changed a lot as well in that time. Well, we've had a huge impact. We've gone from 15,000 in the U.S. down to about 3,000. Still a lot of people, but a huge improvement. I can imagine there's challenges that make that more difficult and that have driven some of the changes also within that smoke detection industry. Right. Yes, there is, John. And, you know, I'll take that step back and talk about that death rate of around 3,000, 2,800 yep. in our homes. That's been flat for the last five years now. So we yep. have been making improvements. So about eight years ago now, research was started by the uh, the nation's leaders in fire safety research in both the United States and in Canada. And they were studying this whole situation of, you know, what's changed? Why are we not continuing to save lives? Yeah. And, um, you know, the biggest piece that research, actual fire testing has shown, is the fact that the available safe escape time, it's sometimes known as ASET, in our homes has been reduced. It used to be 15 to 18 minutes. We mm-hmm. had when that first detector went off, you had about 15 minutes to get out of your home while the space was still what they considered to be tenable. You could mm-hmm. get out on your own without being overcome by smoke, heat, and poisonous gases. Mm-hmm. Today, research today is showing that that escape time is down to three to five minutes. Wow. Big difference. And that's why we're still losing people's lives in homes, sometimes even when they have a smoke detector, because things have changed. And we go, well, what exactly has changed? And here's the real interesting fact that, once again, solid research has shown. And that is, it's the furnishings in our homes. Now, I'm a mature individual. When I visited my grandmother, her furniture was made out of oak wood. It was cotton fibers. It was all real stuff. And when that stuff burns, it burns much slowly. When I go into my nephew's home today who's a uh, firefighter in his own right. Everything is polyester. It's all synthetics. It's plastics. And what is the basic chemical foundation of everything I just mentioned? That's all petroleum-based materials. Yes, you're sitting on a chair made of solidified gasoline. So that when a fire does occur in the new home today, which, by the way, it is the majority of our homes, um, the fire... Ignition happens much quicker, and the yeah. fire spread is just significant. And the amount of toxic black smoke that comes out of this petroleum-based uh, wow. materials is just overcoming. Therefore, that is why we're down to just the three to five-minute escape time as uh, compared to grandma's house with wood and natural fibers. Yep. That that is, that is a huge change, as you said, from fifteen minutes, which. When you compare 15 minutes to three minutes, there's time to pack a bag almost when you when you look at that difference. And I guess that explains, as you describe, where we were making such great improvements uh, as innovation and technology improved. Everything was coming down in these last years as we've kind of hit the, 
you know, maybe it's unfair, but the flat pack generation where, where nothing is made of oak wood anymore, uh, you know, our homes are full of stuff that makes it more dangerous for us in the event of a fire. Uh, for me, that's a really interesting one because it's it's hard to get to that point. Considering those changes, there must be or has there been a shift also from a code and standards perspective to start to absorb this new this new effect, this new consideration? Yes, thanks, John. There absolutely has been. And as I referenced that research that started eight years ago um, by the nation's and global leading fire researchers, um, what they started to focus on was two key areas that we felt, they felt, that early warning detection needed to address. First was we needed to respond faster to the polyurethane fire. It mm -hmm. burns differently than wood and cotton. So mm -hmm. there's a need to increase the sensitivity or have that detector respond faster when mm -hmm. a polyurethane fire starts up. At the same time, facts and research has been showing that, yes, sometimes when we cook in our kitchens and we broil a steak, or I know, John, you certainly never would burn a hamburger, ah. but sometimes if we burn a hamburger or overcook something, <laughs> the smoke alarms in our homes have been going off. And there is a percentage of deaths that are attributed to the smoke alarm was shut off or somebody pulled out the battery. So yeah. we also knew that cooking hazards have been a challenge to the operation of smoke alarms. So the industry is taking two giant steps forward. They're doing two new tests within the certification process of, uh, of smoke detection in general. First mm -hmm. is it has to respond within a predetermined measure for polyurethane fires. And mm -hmm. the second is it has to be able to survive what they're actually calling the frozen hamburger test. They actually have a room and they cook and they fry a frozen hamburger. Why is it a frozen hamburger? Because the frozen meat has actually been shown to produce the most products of combustion and materials that we're simulating in most of the fires that we're studying. So wow. there is a, a frozen hamburger test and a polyurethane foam test that all new detectors are going to need to pass here in the very near future. Okay, so th those tests make sure, as you described, they react faster. When there is a real fire, when there's poly polyurethane involved, you have to be faster. You have to be very reactive from a technology point of view. You have to have a, a real level of, of, um, of accuracy with that. But then at the same time, be able to recognize when someone's trying to get a bit of char on a burger, uh, and and driving for a bit of caramelization to not go off every day because as you say human human nature is that if every time i try and cook a burger my alarm goes off i'll just pull it off the wall and and leave myself in a situation yeah but those two tests like there's got to be a lot of challenge from a technical perspective to be able to achieve success in those two tests is that reasonable to assume you know, there, is, there clearly is. And uh, first, I'm going to do for the benefit of our audience, I want to share with them the exact UL standard numbers so mm -hmm. that they can possibly look this up themselves. And UL 268, the eighth edition, is mm -hmm. the standard for smoke detection. That's your system-connected, usually commercial buildings. Mm -hmm. UL 217, the seventh edition, is the new standard for the smoke alarms that are going to comply with the two things we just talked about. And uh, the smoke alarm, of course, is what we generally find in our homes and where we sleep. That's the self-contained mm -hmm. unit. It goes off, it beeps, it makes noise uh, yeah. in, the, 
picture. So, so that's the that's just the technical reference points for our audience. But yeah. you're absolutely right. You know, the manufacturers were challenged. This has been a paradigm shift in the manufacturer design and the application of smoke detection that we haven't seen in over 40 years. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's sad that we haven't changed detection technology in 40 years. I'm speaking in very broad terms, not from Siemens perspective, but in broad terms. But this has brought about that paradigm shift that's saying, you know what, to save lives, we have to do A, B, and C. And that's what Mm -hmm. uh, going forward on. And you touched on it. You know, here we have to now take a sensor or sensors and Mm -hmm. increase sensitivity on one part, which sometimes could cause an unwanted alarm if you're not careful. And at the same time, we have to slow it down from other types of fire. So it's back to this looking at the signature or some people call the fire print of a fire. And I only okay. say that because actually Siemens sash our Cerberus days, um, we actually came out with the first multi-criteria smoke detector back in the late 90s that actually mm-hmm. does this already. You have a detector that actually has a couple different sensors in there. So you're monitoring and looking at obscuration and temperature, and you're looking at different things in order to form algorithms that'll help you determine is that a piece of hamburger burning or is it a drape in the kitchen that's burning? You know, yeah. you can get those differentiations out so that these detectors can work faster. And that's really what the entire manufacturing world, say maybe one manufacturer, everyone has gone to a multi-criteria or multi-sensor type mm-hmm. of an approach. So these detectors are going to have couple different three, sometimes two or three sensors in there. There's going to be an onboard computer sitting in that device that's going to be checking algorithms and making all this high-tech uh, analysis and then sending out the alarm at the right time. And yeah. what Underwriters Laboratories, a nationally recognized testing laboratory does, is as a manufacturer, we create this design. We send them off to them. They conduct these tests that we just talked about, in addition to all the tests from the past, and we have to pass them. And it has to work and meet these criteria that's been set forth. And uh, the good news is we sit here uh, today, the um, the original date for this, as I mentioned, this has been going on for seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. The original due date for a manufacturer to be able to make product um, was May of 2020. By May of 2020, which is now in the past, we yeah. had all manufacturers complying with these standards. Um that did get extended, I think, out of respect to COVID and just the nature that this was such a big change. That mm-hmm. has now been extended to June of 2021. And yeah. now let me try to explain that just a little bit, um, because it does not affect all of those smoke detectors, smoke alarms that are already installed in our homes, our okay. businesses and places we sleep. Those are still perfectly good to use. They're perfectly fine. It's just that as a manufacturer, we cannot make anything after, in this case, June of 2021, unless it complies with these standards. Um, you know, somebody could still install some of the older ones, you know, a couple months later, as long as they were made before June of 2021. So yeah. we're working with the fire code officials, the consulting engineers, and explaining, once again, this is a change that hasn't taken place in 40 years. It's a new educational process. But Underwriters Laboratories, NFPA, and many others are on a major uh, education campaign to help mm-hmm. this whole format for uh, 
this new concept forward. Now, from a Siemens perspective, we have got our products are all ready to go. We have, uh, you know, we met the date of, uh, of May of uh, 2020. And there are a number of other manufacturers, both system and smoke alarms for your homes that are out there. That's why yeah. I gave you those numbers before. You know, if yeah. you're going to go to, you know, the, the big box store or the Home Depot and you want to get the new device for your home, look for UL 217 7th edition on the thing. And believe yeah. me, they're going to be advertising this, you know, feature now that they have. But, you know, that's just for our own uh, education, knowledge and well, regards. But, that, but that's a good point, because as you say, you know, obviously every manufacturer up until that date will have to go through the process, get certified, get listed. Uh, and and right now, today, when you do have the choice, if you are making the decision for your for your family home, you know, make make the right one, make the one that that is highlighting and leveraging and reaching the highest expectations that will be. The, those expectations moving forward. So I think that's good. And it's also a really good point from what you mentioned that uh, you don't have to go and rip everything out that, that's uh, in your building today. But uh, you know, with fire safety uh, being an industry where we do have you know really stringent maintenance uh, standards and testing standards, this will, over the process of the coming years, become something that we'll see in every building in the medium term. Sure. John, I'd like to bring up one other point of good Definitely. clarification, and it's a good fire life safety message because we're talking about don't worry about what's existing, keep it mm -hmm. going. But there is a code requirement through NFPA that says the smoke alarm, those are the units in our homes once again, need mm -hmm. to be replaced every 10 years. Yep. So, you know, there's studies were made that these things start to wear out. Got to remember, that thing is on working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So yep. it's electronic. They're figuring in 10 years, you need to replace it. So, you know, in my home, I replaced all mine three years ago because my house is now 13 years old. So yep. I'm in full compliance. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and soon I'll have to replace them all again to put in the new addition, you know, a device. But that's just me. But, you know, everyone's home to protect your home, to make sure things are going well, you need to replace your smoke alarms in your homes every 10 years. Yeah. Those who live in a commercial building, see, that's a little different. Those smoke detectors don't have an end of life. Why? Because the code requires that we test them every year. Right. Those devices in a commercial building are tested, sensitivities checked every single year, and we replace the ones that are failing. We don't have a requirement to go to a person's home and do a formal sensitivity test. That yeah. is uh, not part of our culture here in North America. So we just <laughs> say every 10 years, take the right action and replace Throw it. Throw it out, get a health. new one. That's yeah. right. Yep. Yep. No, but I like that because it's a good message. In the end, while, while here generally on this podcast, we're talking about our industry, we're talking about topics and, and themes that affect our industry. When we talk about fire safety, when we talk about fire and smoke detection, it's a huge part of our industry, but it's also a huge part of our daily lives. And when we're protecting our family and our friends, uh, you know, it's just as important, if not more important from a personal perspective. So I really like that highlight because, you know, in the end, safety has to touch every aspect of our lives. Uh, and if if every 10 years we spend a few dollars and we make a change and that can save our lives, then, uh, you know, this is, this is the easiest thing for us to do. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. John, I'm always here to help in every way I can. I love uh, this industry. 
I'm very passionate about helping to save lives. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to be able to produce this uh, excellent communication. And uh, hopefully it will save some more lives. Appreciate it. Bring it on, Dan. Thank you. And and I get the feeling this is not the last time we're going to have a chat. It was great fun. Uh, so I'm sure that in the near future, we'll have a couple more of these conversations and we'll get them out there for the people to listen to as well. Always sure to help. Beautiful. So thank you very much to you, Dan, again. Uh, but also thank you to everyone that's listening. Please feel free to share, like or comment on this episode. Subscribe wherever you're listening or watching to us. Share it with your friends. Share it with your colleagues, especially when we talk about a message like this. It, it can't be important or any more important. It can't be important enough. So get it out there. Have fun and uh, look out for new episodes coming soon. And we'll talk shortly. Thank you.